Hey there, guys. Welcome back to another episode on the Paraconnection Podcast. You're here with Schuler and Andy from PILT Paranormal, and we have another great topic to talk about today. Andy, you excited for today? Absolutely. All right, so today's going to be a little mixed match about everything paranormal. We have another guest on today. He's a great guy, really down to earth, and we're excited to speak with him. His name is Jason Dowd, and he has had several years of experience, just like Andy himself here in the paranormal, and he's going to cover a lot. He's going to give us some personal ghost stories. He's going to talk about some techniques and methods, uh, different approaches that people can do and, you know, consider. He's got all sorts of different, you know, approaches about do's and don'ts. I mean, just a whole bunch of stuff and also some things that he's dealing with right now, along with the topic of haunted dolls and haunted possessions. So objects, all that good stuff. So we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be kind of a mix up. So Andy, with what we're given here, what are you excited most about today? Well, first of all, <laughs> I don't do dolls. You don't do dolls. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what about dummies or anything like that? Oh, no, 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 no. None of that? Okay. No, no, no. Even worse. Even worse. <laughs> That's all right. Now, I think with what Jason's going to talk about tonight, it's, you know, got some things to do with demonic entities and haunted objects and dolls and such, but it's nothing to do like what the movie show or what the TV shows give off, but it's right. very real and nonetheless terrifying, especially whenever things typically happen at night and whenever you're trying to fall asleep and be to yourself and enjoy peace. But um, I think it's going to turn out pretty well. I'm glad Jason decided to come on. He's actually a co-host of the Horror Express segment of Ron's Amazing Stories podcast. And he and Jason, they talk about the paranormal and supernatural and other, you know, creepy, odd things that aren't categorized as normal and you know we've had Ron on as I was telling you Andy and uh, it's great to have Jason on because we're going to get his side of what he believes the paranormal is about and get some personal experience from him too so having two different viewpoints from two great guys I, I think it's going to be neat to have that in like a collection so I'm excited yeah, absolutely. so before we get this rolling Andy do you have anything that you're really excited for I mean obviously not the doll part but Anything that he's going to talk about tonight? Well, I'm I'm actually listening. Uh, really excited about hearing about anything he has to say. Really, I mean, sounds like he and I are going to have a lot in common. Yeah, yeah. I think where you guys are really going to touch base on are the attacks that you guys have had from malevolent entities. So, right. I think that makes all three of us. I think we're going to get along really good tonight, <laughs> just from malevolent. the malevolent entities that we've all encountered throughout our times. So right. without further ado, Andy, and to all of our amazing listeners that's tuning in today, let's go ahead and get Jason on and get the podcast rolling. All right. So we got Jason on board here on the Paraconnection podcast. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing good. That's good, man. Thanks for being with us tonight. Oh, you're welcome. I love talking ghosts and paranormal and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Right on, right on. Yeah, I've joined you and Ron on the Horror Express several times. So I know you guys are always packed up with some good stories and experiences and trying to help people too. That is one of the things that I like to do the most is trying to help people out through it. Because sometimes it is, you know, something paranormal and they need to worry about it. Sometimes it isn't. You know, yeah. our, our, our minds can play tricks on us very easily, especially if we're scared about something. So 
Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that. I mean, from personal experience and then also other people I've worked with, it turned out to just be nothing. And right. maybe they just watched one too many videos or movies and they just didn't have the right experience. But it's good. To well, get it's easy to do, you know. Is. And you know what the easiest one is? Is when the toilet flushes itself. And it always <laughs> does it like late at night and it freaks everybody out. And come to find out, it's usually just the, uh, the, the, the flap that gets a little bit warped from the hard water and it lets water in, you know, and it's, it's something as simple as that. Yeah, easy mechanism that just triggers itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, and, and you know, it does come down to like toilets and don't forget the sinks. Oh, I mean, yeah. Nowadays you have the automatic sink. So people are like, did my energy trigger that? Or was that just, you know, a bad <laughs> sensor? <laughs> but, uh, but Andy, I'm a chatty Kathy, so I'm going to let Andy introduce himself. Well, in terms of the toilet, you know, I mean, half of the time the living doesn't flush as often as we'd like them to. So, you know, somebody's got to do it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a paranormal investigator myself, and I've got a lot of years of experience also. And so it's very nice to meet you, Jason. You too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to what you have to say tonight. So Jason, with that being said, let's go ahead and start back as far as you feel comfortable to tell us. What got you into the paranormal? Well, to tell you the truth, I was always I was always skeptical of it, and I never really learned too much, and I learned at a very young age. When I grew up, and I grew up in a in a uh, in a Missouri Synod Lutheran church, my my grandparents, my great grandparents, founded uh, the church, so we were very involved with it. And uh, I think one of the things that we went through a lot was, you know learning what the Bible says about ghosts and stuff like that. And I didn't believe that they existed. However, that changed one day because um, I went to I went to school. So I was also uh, when I went to a Lutheran school there, there was attached to the church. So one of the things that my grandfather would do with me every Friday is we would go do something really cool, uh, whether that be go into the fish hatchery or we go up to the uh, the, the fish and game farm or we go look at the old buildings or uh, sometimes we go to cemeteries. And I went to, the, we went to a cemetery that was actually right in my backyard technically from where I was born. Uh, it's called the uh, Green Lady Cemetery. And you guys can look it up. It's, it's all written. It tells you all the experiences that people have. And uh, we used to go up there and do uh, gravestone rubbings. So one Friday, uh, it was, you know, believe it or not, it's, it's Connecticut. So, you know, around Halloween time, it gets dark like three o'clock up there. So we were wow. driving home and it was already kind of dark. And um, it was really, it was really just a, a cold, nasty night, you know, and it's an easy, it was easy to have your senses play tricks on you. So we're sitting at the, we're sitting in the, in the, the cemetery. We went around, we looked at all these different stones and stuff like that. And they, they range from um, the green lady that was buried in 1790 all the way up until, um, you know, they had some Revolutionary War people in there. They had some uh, dignitaries in there, too, from Connecticut. So it was uh, it's a really cool cemetery and it was really creepy. And ironically, every time I used to go to the cemetery, I always got one of those blood rushes to your head and I could never explain it. But, you know, it's like when you sit up really quick and you get that that really weird woozy feeling in your head. That's pretty much what it would do for me as long as, as I was inside the cemetery. It was surrounded by an uh, like an old brick uh, colonial stone wall, and at the time it had like those old wrought iron uh, gates that came out the top of it too. So okay. it was really creepy looking. And when I walked out this one night, 
ready to get back into the car. As soon as I stepped out of the wall, the feeling went away. But I felt like I was stuck in like some type of time warp. It's like everything stood still. I could hear nothing. And I turned around and there was the green lady cemetery. There was a green lady coming out of the out of the stone. I just saw this big green mist come up and she turned into like a, a period looking um, uh, female, basically late 1700s, early 1800s. And she walked around, wasn't touching the ground at all, just walking around, looking at her feet, very nonchalant. And then when she got around to the stone on one side, she just stopped and stared at me. And I'm sitting there looking at this, at this ghost. I'm like, I don't believe what's happening. She pointed her finger at me and then she walked up to the wall. And when she got to the wall, she couldn't do anything and then just disappeared. And then everything came right back to where it was. And I swear, I was, you know, I, I asked my grandfather, I said, did you see this? He goes, I didn't see anything. Now, I don't know if he did or not, or he was the type of person that would deny that kind of stuff. So I don't know if I was crazy or if I was just, if I saw what I really saw. So I went to my school the next day and started asking questions from the pastors that were there. And they just, they didn't want to talk to me about it. And then I talked to the, the teachers and I was told that if I continue to do this and talk to other kids about it, I was going to be expelled. Hmm. Okay, okay, no problem. I won't say anything. And for the longest time, that was my first experience and I never had an answer for it. However, in 1996, I went back up to see my grandparents. And when I was there, of course, we went back to the cemetery. But I saw a book about haunt, a haunting in Connecticut, uh, the, all the Connecticut hauntings and, and different places to, to go see and experience. And one of them was the Green Lady. And, you know, it was the first time I got answers. And because this is obviously still before the Internet and how big it is now. So if anything was up there, it's very small and, and rudimentary, if anything. But um, there it was. And my story matched so many other people's stories throughout the years. Now, at the time when I saw this ghost, I was probably six or seven, maybe. I'm not 100% sure, but I was pretty close to that age. Okay. And um, I shouldn't have known that. You know, I didn't, nobody talked about the, the lore. I just knew that it was a haunted cemetery, but I never heard of what the ghost actually did or said. So to have that, that back up, knowledge of what what i experienced was extremely important to me and i and it made me feel like i wasn't nuts because for so many years i thought it was nuts and then throughout the years too i started seeing other ghosts and other ghosts and other ghosts and all these different things happening and i was like you know what i'm just going to embrace this i'm going to learn about it and i'm going to try to help other people that were in the same situation that i was because i didn't want them to say that they were crazy because they probably weren't so that's yeah. kind of how it started wow jason Talk about some good detail, man. That That's something else. You know, and I've talked to a lot of people just in this past year, and they had the opportunities and, you know, the whole thing of growing up with the paranormal. I didn't get involved in it or have any experience until I was 17. You know, I was a junior in high school. But for you to be that young and to have that type of experience, that, that's something else, especially not looking for it, not going into it, knowing what it is. It just kind of happened. And then Next thing you know, you're on this path and now you're helping yeah. people. Yeah, I try to help as many people as I can. And I didn't realize until I was until I was older. In fact, I was in the in my 30s. I kind of knew something was weird because I always kind of saw things before they would happen. Yeah. I never listened to it, of course. And and I probably would have saved myself a lot of bodily damage along the way from doing dumb stuff <laughs> um, when I was told not to do it. But I did it anyways. And I saw a lot of things. I saw a lot of, of I could I could touch people and 
I would get all these visions and stuff from them. And I, so I started realizing that I was, I was borderline psych, uh, psychic. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to, to talk to so many ghosts and see so many ghosts along the way. So that was kind of a, a neat experience that I learned. And, um, and I had my first demonic experience when I was in high school, just starting high school. I, it was kind of in my eighth grade year. And uh, that, was, that was definitely something interesting for me, myself. And, um, you know, I started, I actually got beat up by this thing. It, it beat up some of my friends. And, you know, we could talk about that a little bit more uh, later. But uh, those were some of my, my more profound experiences. And again, something I did not go looking for. It was just, it just showed up. And it, I, ironically, it showed up in a very influential time in my life. So, you know, I, I've, been, I've been surrounded by this stuff my whole life. Wow, Jason. Yeah, so it's more of like a calling card for you. You know, it's not just a hobby. It's obviously a passion at this point, but it's something you just kind of grew into. And that's really unique, you know, and and you talking about the story of the green lady in the cemetery, it, it reminded me of my experience at Central State Hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana. And the place that I was at, there's a courtyard in the center of the premises. It's 148 acres. It's an old mental institution, closed down in 1994, opened in 1848. And there's a big courtyard in the middle of Flint. And there's one night, there's four investigators, including myself. We decided to stop in the middle of the courtyard, just kind of look out. We read some stories before we investigated about there being possible murders in the courtyard, the courtyard itself being haunted. We mainly visited the buildings, but we never did the courtyard. So we decided to, you know, check it out, get a little sketch of everything. Long story short, I saw a woman in white, which is the story that I talked with Ron. And she came out of some bushes on the right-hand side of the courtyard. And probably two years later, after they started doing deconstruction, we found out after they ripped up some trees and the bushes, where this woman in white came from, there was a concrete slab. Like there used to be a building or some type of structure there. But back to mm -hmm. the story, that's where she was coming from was that concrete slab. So she came out of the bushes. She just kind of appeared like cigarette smoke, formed into a woman with long black hair down to the middle of her back. She was in like a gown, kind of like what a patient would have or like a robe. She had no feet, so she hovered. Her hands were completely down to her sides and she looked straight forward. And straight in front of her is probably like maybe five feet away from where she came from there's a tree. So she floated, looking straight forward. She was pale. She didn't have any facial features. You could tell where her nose, mouth, and eyes should have been, but there's no detail. And she went straight to the tree. As soon as she hit the tree, she evaporated like cigarette smoke yet once again. And the thing that gives me cold chills is talking about it with your story, Jason, is when she appeared, everything went deaf. Everything yeah. slowed down. The only thing that didn't slow down was her and the tree leaves moving in the wind. It was summertime, it was mildly warm, it wasn't cold, but as soon as she disappeared, everything else came back to normal. My ears popped, the sounds came back, and out of the four of us, only myself and one of my investigators that was on the left of me saw this woman in white, allegedly. And it was just so surreal, man. So, yeah, yeah, I totally get it, where you're coming from with that. And it's just a whole nother experience. It is. It absolutely is. Andy, do you have anything to throw in for Jason here? Um, well, I remember one experience that I had when I was a teenager, and it was on Halloween night. 
I want to say around 96, 97. And uh, there was a whole big group of us, and we were out trick-or-treating. And I lived about a block away from an elementary school. And this elementary school was surrounded by woods. And on the opposite side of the woods was a cemetery. And it's quite a famous cemetery, actually, um, and within that town, anyway. And so we were sitting in the woods and we were telling ghost stories. And suddenly we could hear what sounded like somebody running around us, like running a circle around us. We could hear um, what sounded like a chain or possibly uh, like a key ring jingling. Um, we could clearly hear the footsteps. We could hear the rustling of the leaves being kicked around, things like that, as this person was running around us. So we're sitting here with a flashlight, and we're looking around in the woods, and we see absolutely nothing. So we get scared, and we hightail it out of the woods. And so we go to the school, and we go the, get the opposite side of the school, where the, uh, the parking lot is. And we decide to basically sit underneath of a street light. That way we're well lit. And, you know, if something comes our way, we're going to actually see it this time. At least that was the plan. It didn't work out that way, though. Because we're sitting there talking about the events of what happened to us just then in the wood. And uh, after a while, we kind of calmed down and we started telling ghost stories again. Well, lo and behold, as we're sitting there telling ghost stories, suddenly we start hearing the same sound, except this time it's on concrete because we're, sit we're sitting in the parking lot. So we're hearing this running around us and this jingling of keys or a chain or whatever. And so we're, we're like, okay, we've had enough of this. We're going to hightail it out of here. We're just going to go to another part of town, maybe even continue on with our trick-or-treating. So we just left. And uh, yeah, that was a crazy experience. But that was one of the craziest experiences I've ever had. Wow. Yeah. So Andy, going back to that, you didn't really look for it either, right? You guys are just telling me <coughs> stories. You weren't actually investigating. No, no, we weren't looking for anything. We were just, the only thing we were looking for was a spooky spot to tell stories, you know? <laughs> well, you found one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Man. So, Jason, as you grew up, you know, well, I know we're swapping ghost stories here, but jumping back to your origin of getting into the paranormal, what have you found most useful helping people in the paranormal from your personal experiences to investigating? what's what high what highlights do you have well basically I, I like to be able to to learn from them a little bit you know and learn where they come from learn where the house is learn whatever it may be and what we realize is that sometimes the more we learn about a, a, a situation whatever whatever the situation is it can be explained and I think that's the best thing that it happens to me is when it's not paranormal because unfortunately when you have something paranormal you can't always get rid of it and it's yeah. a lot harder to deal with so there's nothing that makes me feel better than to actually have a logical explanation of what is possibly going on with them. Um, you know, one of the things that I've never run into anything major, you know, like a demonic experience or anything like that, which thank God, 
because uh, that could be a real problem. But I think just listening to some people, you know, and and seeing that somebody's not judging them, and they're not thinking that they're crazy. And I think that's one of the best things that I've had to do. Um, I have never been able to find a place that was physically haunted. 99.9% of the time when I talk to somebody, I can easily figure out what's causing the problem. So I think the, the craziest one, though, was that I couldn't solve the problem, but I couldn't duplicate what they were saying either. And that was what was really weird because it's like nothing ever happened. Nobody could ever back up the story. And that's when I started realizing that the person I was talking to had a mental illness. And I didn't realize that they had a mental illness. I had to learn it from their family. Gotcha. So the problem with it was is that this person truly believed that they were being haunted. But really, they were manifesting whatever it was inside them, either in their, in their mind or in some type of reality that they could see. But nobody else could see it. So when, they re when I realized that, I, I was able to reassure the family that there's nothing wrong you know it's just something that that this person was physically manifesting itself either internally in their in their mind or externally in some way that it really wasn't affecting anything it was just there you know so it really wasn't a spirit at all and i think that made the family feel better because you know they were worried about their about their loved one obviously and i was worried about them too and i spent probably a month you know, investigating, and they're like, "Did you see that? Did you hear that? I hear this," and 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 everybody's like, "I don't hear anything." Well, I said the same thing. I don't hear anything, and I went through there and I listened to my stuff as best as I possibly could. I took every video that I could possibly see. Nothing ever moved. They kept telling me things were moving. Nothing ever moved, gotcha. and I'm like, uh, "Here you go." So, in in many ways, it it made the family feel better. Not so much the person that was, you know, seeing the stuff, but. It helped them get the help for their for, for their uh, their loved one, and it stopped when they were on medication. So, I hope that it helped change their life along the way. Well, that's good, Jason. You know, I, I'm glad that there was some type of positive ending, you know, result to that. And you know, for people that are just getting into the paranormal world or that may have their own personal issues with trying to differentiate between possible mental illnesses or, you know, possible demonic or spiritual attachments what would you advise to look for or what could be the best way to know whether something is a mental trick, a real paranormal experience, or maybe just, you know, some logical explanation that they oversaw? Well, I always like to tell people, you know, you can kind of do some of this stuff yourself. You don't need to have a big group come in there. Mm -hmm. And it, obviously when, when the group comes in, they want to know as much as they possibly can because they want to duplicate stuff. And, you know, it's so easy now to go to the store and get a little, a little handheld recorder and put it out for a little bit. If you have a videotape, put it out for a little bit and just see if you could see the things moving. Um, you know, and then if you do see something moving, then bring somebody else in. So I try to, I try to, I would tell somebody to document everything, everything that you could possibly remember when it happened, how it happened. And um, that gives the, the, the people that come in a lot of information that they can try to either debunk it or they could try to figure out what's causing it, whether it be paranormal or non-paranormal. Yeah. For example, the toilet. You know, it flushes, you know, all throughout the day, but it doesn't necessarily happen at a specific time. Okay. So it flushes by itself. Well, a ghost doesn't go to the bathroom. So we know that there's something probably wrong with the toilet. That's easily debunked. Um, you know, sometimes you see doors move open and, and things kind of like 
papers blow up. Well, why did that do it? Well, th- is there a breeze in your window? Did you have the window open a crack and didn't realize it was all the way? It wasn't all the way down. Do you feel cold spots? Why? It was. Is it by a window? You know, little things like that can can re- really make a big a big impact on things. So, I just tell everybody before you before you jump to conclusions because once you get it in your head, you're you're haunted. Look for an look for an obvious solution, yeah. and try to fix that solution. And if that doesn't fix the solution. Then you probably have something a little bit more、uh, devious or something out there that that needs to be explained, and that's where the people that know what they're doing can come in. But the more documentation you have, you can usually come up with an idea with the idea yourself of what is the problem, and or you'd have a, a nice booklet to to give to the people that are coming in, and maybe they can help you duplicate it and actually see what's going on. So don't judge, don't jump to conclusions. I mean, especially if you're in a room by yourself, you hear something. You know, you're already kind of nervous because the lights are off or something like that, and you're by yourself. So your your mind can play tricks with you, and your mind is so intense. It's amazing what you can convince yourself of or manifest out of your brain just by thinking about it. You know, my great grandmother,、um, not not my great grandma, my grandmother, said that she refused to grow old, and she believed that 60 was old. She wanted to be young and vibrant and you know live life. Well. She said that almost every day of her life, and honestly, she died 59 and three quarters year, years old. She was almost ready to have her 60th birthday party, and she died from an aneurysm.、Wow. So she got her wish, and you know that was because of years and years and years and years and years of saying, "I don't want to hit 60." She was very specific about that, and she got what she wanted. So it's very easy to manifest something if you believe it hard enough. And so try to look for not for an honest answer first. Don't freak yourself out. Not everything's a ghost, and you know you take pictures and you see orbs. As a photographer, I can tell you, it can duplicate that in about five seconds.、Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's、yeah. not necessarily an orb. An orb, to me, is a disembodied ball of energy. If it's a ball of energy, if you look at a light, you're seeing energy. If you're looking at、um, sparks of any kind, you're seeing energy. That's disembodied. You should be able to see an orb with your naked eye, not with flash. Yeah. So. If you're if you're looking at flash, a lot of times you can't see it, but there's silica in the air. There is、um, moisture condensation, especially here in Florida. You know, I can go outside tonight right after a rainstorm, take a picture, and you'll see you'll see a million orbs.、Um, you know, these are things that we don't see with our own eyes, but we want to believe that there's something there. And they can say, yeah, there looks like there's a face in there. Well, that's、uh, that's matrixing. Matrixing. Your bot. Your brain is trying to make some type of、uh, idea of what that is. So. Before you just sit there and see a b- bunch of orbs and do anything else, have somebody look at it that knows what they're talking about before you freak yourself out. So, like I said, a lot of things can be explained. You just got to know what you're doing, and you know, try to find that answer first before jumping to conclusions. Well, you know, Jason, I 100% agree with you on、uh, the debunking process.、Um, for me, that's very, very important.、Um, Like for instance, you know, here at my house,、um, just next to my bedroom is a door that leads to my bathroom, and every once in a while, when I'm home alone, that door likes to pop and、mm-hmm. swing open a little bit, and it it genuinely sounds like someone is like banging their fist against the door and like popping it open. And I had actually found out through a little bit of investigation that the floorboards were actually settling and popping 
and causing that door to kind of unlatch and pop open yeah. just by by sheer force and that's what's causing that that boom sound when it opens too so um debunking is very very important because nine times out of ten you're gonna come up with something completely rational right so, and you know it's ironic because i have a door too that's the same thing uh it was only one degree off 90 and that's all it took to put a little pressure on it and have it pop open once in a while i mean sometimes it's it's so forceful though because sometimes it actually feels like it sounds like a body being pushed up against the door like somebody's like being thrown against the door with yeah. a lot of force and you know it scares the crap out of me every time it happens because it's so <laughs> loud but it it happens and it always seems to happen when i'm here by myself so my family like my family doesn't believe me but um i did some investigating on it now you know i don't have to sit here and wonder well is my house on it or you know whatever so but yeah i mean debunking goes a long long way in terms of any investigation so i 100 agree with you on that absolutely yeah and i have to agree with andy on that as well jason because you know the the breakdowns that you gave they, they were wonderful and great because those are things that you know whether you're an investigator or someone that's just dealing with weird things that you're not used to you have to keep that in mind because if you don't keep some type of logic thinking you will fool yourself and also make yourself look like a fool yeah that's <laughs> and, true you know thankfully on my team uh we now have a full 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 line skeptic like i mean he he's open to believing <laughs> but he's <laughs> completely skeptical he's like i don't believe that any of this is even possible if i see it i'll believe it but until then throw me in the darkest tunnel throw me in the darkest crawl space i'm not afraid so right. it's good to have him on to put him in the scary places but also <laughs> he, he keeps us logical too because that whole ideometer effect you know, it, yeah. you, you can trick yourself, like you said, and you kind of get the creeps and the EBGBs. But when you have someone there like Schuler, you know, I, I know you've been here before or you haven't been here. It's a little dark, but check this out. I can do the same thing that just happened a minute ago. It's like, oh, OK, cool. You know, so we kind of balance each other out. It, it's good to have that. So I'm glad you gave that breakdown, Jason, because it's so true. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things when it comes to something like that is when people want to believe that it's their loved one there that's the hardest to, to get rid of out of their mind that it's really nothing because they want to believe that their loved one is there with them and trying to give them a sign. And yeah. it's like, Oh, those are tough because you don't want to break the heart. But when you tell them that there's nothing there, they get really defensive and they get really upset. Yeah. And the, you know, the best thing that I can always tell somebody in that type of situation, it's like, I believe that my loved ones are here too with me. I just don't believe that they're here necessarily giving me a sign or, or manifesting themselves in the spirit form or anything like that. I don't need it because I have them right here in my heart and they know that. Yeah. So, you know, th there are, those are probably the hardest ones to, to get through to that maybe nothing's really there. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, like you said, when it becomes something emotional like that, or they've been believing it for several years and they're just now contacting a team because they, they want that professional answer and they, they want evidence to prove that they're not just you know thinking they're crazy and then you're able to prove that it's really not anything supernatural like you said you know emotions can get the best of people and it, it is sad. that's true it is now on that same record jason 
Um, do you believe it is possible that as living creatures, such as, you know, even animals or as humans, we can move on in another type of form of energy and continue to live after we pass away? I truly believe that. Absolutely. Um, I know everybody has their own different, different uh, views, points of what happens after we die. But I do know that we're not, we're not just going to be here and that's done and over with. Uh, according, to, according to the law of physics, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. We are all energy. Yeah. So if, that's the, if that law of, of physics is true, then of course we're going to live on. We just may not understand what it is right now. And that's okay. You know, I, I, I like adventures. I like to be able to figure that out. But I actually had um, passed away a while ago, um, not for very long. Oh wow! But I did see I did see the other side, and I personally I, that that made me not scared of dying at all. Now I, nothing scares me at all, and um, wow. it was because I had a uh, I had a uh, a fit when I was in the car and I actually cooked myself to death. And I couldn't move my arms and my legs. So I, I was sitting in a hot car. It's probably about 120 degrees, 130 degrees, but no air and it cooked me. And um, I came back luckily, but I saw everything. And you know, it, I truly believe that the, the Bible's actually the truth because of what I saw. Now everybody keeps saying, well, you weren't technically dead, um, you know, cause you didn't, you, they didn't need to get your heart beating again or anything like that. So it was probably just a, a dream of yours. Well. It was a dream that was more realistic than I've ever had in my life. And I'll tell you that when I was, I was going to, I wanted to stay. And my, my family that I saw over there said, you're not ready to be here yet. You need to go home. And they kept pushing me down. And I finally went out this door and I woke up outside of my car. And um, it's, it's, it was a, the most surreal thing I've ever seen. There's no way I could have gotten out of that car either because I had the keys. I locked it from the outside because when you turn on the car, it locks the, from the inside. The windows weren't broken and nobody knew I was there. So how did I end up outside the car with the door still locked and the keys in the ignition? I don't know. Um, so that was kind of like one of my weirdest situ situations. Um, and then um, that I actually physically lived with and uh, probably the closest explanation I had to what happens on the other side of the uh, on the other side when we when we die? Wow, Jason. I mean, there's so many questions I have, but I'm gonna try to slow down with it because I mean, honestly, you're the first person that I've ever actually spoken to in real life that's had that near death actually passing away coming back experience. Of course, I've seen the books, read some of the books. There's movies on it, whatnot, and documentaries. But I guess my first question for you would be when we do pass away from your experience here and your beliefs do you believe that we pass on in a form of intelligence it's not just like we break off into a tree or we have that reincarnation effect it is of intelligence do you believe absolutely i believe it um okay. you know because when i was over there i was no different than i was here and wow. i could see everything and i could you know I, there were animals and they were talking and, and you know everything was just the way it was supposed to be you know and over here, when, when we're on Earth, we do have a lot of separations. You know, for instance, you know, not everybody speaks the same language, but over there, you can understand everything. You, you know everybody. There's no hate. There's no, there's no want. There's no, uh, there's no hurt. There's no nothing. And what an incredible feeling that is. That's what yeah. life should, have, should be. Yeah. Yeah, Jason, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that, man. You're giving me cold chills talking about this. I'm really feeling the vibes about that, man. And 
you know, it, it's it's got me wondering more of, I guess, what do you, from your personal aspect here, what do you think the whole purpose of being on this earth is compared to getting to the next part of what we call life? I think just an experience. We're here to help somebody along the way. We're here to grow as a, as a, as a species and we're trying to do the right thing. And I do believe that we have one shot at it. Um, I don't believe that we come back. I do believe that we are a ghost and therefore I still see ghosts, but I don't necessarily believe that, say I have a conflict between of, of, of where it says that ghosts exist and that there is the Bible's version where you don't come back unless God wants you to come back. So I do have a, con I do have a conflict with, with that a little bit and with what I've seen here. And I have my own theories about that, but um, I believe that we're here to help go through life, make the best that we can in the best way that we can for everything around us, no matter what it is. Uh, I do know for a fact that we are all intertwined somehow, some way. So everything that we do impacts somebody or something in some way. And the more negative we have, the, the more negative experiences we have back on us and vice versa. So I think it's, it's, to, it's to do what the envision of what I believe God is and what he would want us to do on earth to then eventually get to heaven on heaven on earth and um i think that's I, I that that's the best way i can pretty much explain it but i do know that when you get there it is the most incredible thing i've ever seen in my life and i don't ever want to come back here hell is earth right now if i yeah. could if i could explain hell without the fire and brimstone we're living in hell right now wow yeah yeah you're not the first one to you know share that thought with me and, and i honestly believe that too at, at least this is purgatory. This is a limbo. It's a middle, you know, because it's of the flesh and physical. But, you know, for you to have that experience, to have this comparison, I, I'm not going to go against that one bit because I see all this evil that happens every day, you know, whether it's at work, whether it's at a grocery store, you know, or within my own family and friends. It's just unbelievable how there can be so much love at one point in time and then it just turns around and then everyone's hateful. And that's true. Before I throw this over to Andy, because I know he's got to be crawling with questions at this point, <laughs> I want to throw one more to you, Jason. Sure. And um, I'm going to tie this back in with the whole belief of moving on from this realm to the next. Um, it, do you feel like it's more of a development type of thing? I mean, that's kind of what you're grasping at. This stage of living is a development not only for ourselves, but like you said, to impact other people to help them develop and then by the time it comes to move on to the next we'll call it dimension or transformation that's where it's really going to decide you know what our next place is whether it's a, a negative field or a positive which is known as heaven and hell but um I, I don't know do you feel like i know you said there's a conflict with it too about moving between you know going to heaven and coming back do you feel that we would have that free will to come back and speak with loved ones that are still of the physical world or i believe that god is a compassionate god and i do know that we are in probably the worst times i've ever seen here on earth and with that god says that if we need our family they will they will be there for us and they're there waiting for us with him so i believe that yes he will let us come through but I think it has to be a real situation, you know, a real serious situation. Now, on the other hand, you got good and evil. This entire world is is a, a conflict of good and evil. 
we have to balance that evil with us. And I know like, from day, taking my own pictures, people are really scared about the, the bad side because I put a lot of dark into it. I'm like, but you have to balance it. Too much good is not good because it gets you complacent. It gets you um, to take things for granted. Uh, it, it builds up egos. It builds up things that you just don't expect because everything's good, but, I, but everybody else sees it. Now, the bad keeps us in check. So it makes us appreciate what we have and it makes us realize and, and, and be stronger in our, in our fight for other things, but it also keeps us humble. So I believe that we are here to do God's work, whatever, whatever that may be. And I try to live my life as an example of what God would want to see on earth. So I want to be yeah. that example to show people that God exists and treat people the way that they need to be treated no matter how bad they are no matter how nasty they are and that's not easy that's where the that's where the good and bad comes up here so the bad keeps us in check because we don't take things for granted anymore uh it gives us strength for the the fight that we have ahead of us and it it balances our lives and that's very important and i notice that people that seem to have a problem either which way either have too much good or they have too much bad so you got to balance it out and we always try to wipe out the bad because who wants to deal with anything bad? You know, nobody, nobody wants to deal with anything bad. So we try to shove it down in the corner and just forget about it. That's the worst thing we can do with life. I truly believe that. Now, to get us through some of those bads, yes, I do believe that that God allows us to have our family members or, or somebody that, that can help us, comfort us through those times. But here's the, here's the thing that, that really gets to me about the ability to come back as a human. The Bible says, uh, not as a human, but as it goes, the Bible says that once we're dead, we are dead. And there's only been certain times where God has allowed a family member to talk or a friend to talk with somebody in the living. Now, the devil, on the other hand, the, his entire mission is to bring us with him, if you're, if you're into the Christian religion. And to do that, he can do anything that he possibly can to convince us that God doesn't exist, to doubt the Bible, and basically bring us with him. And that's where the bad comes in. You know, that's where we start to doubt, does God really exist? God wouldn't let us put through this. God wouldn't allow a baby that's six, six hours old to pass away. You know, so that's where we start doubting all this stuff. So when I see ghosts, I believe that what we're dealing with is not necessarily always the spirit of that person that we missed. I truly believe in most cases it's a poltergeist that is able to transcend itself into whatever it wants us to believe to doubt the Bible in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I can't prove that. It's it's my own simple theory. But if you ever notice that, you know, demons, some of them are, are not as vicious as some of the other ones. Some of them are a little bit more uh, relaxed. But their job is to make us disbelieve what we've learned and second second guess ourselves and say you know what this is crap so when you see stuff like that and then you see what the bible has it contradicts itself and that's where i had the biggest the biggest conflict and i think that's the only way that i can logically in my own mind process that we're able to see spirits at all and i truly believe that you know it is trapped energy so i believe that a lot of the stuff that we're seeing could literally be like a like a uh uh, a residual haunt where we see energy recreating itself over and over and over and over and over again because it does the same stuff. 
I don't truly believe that those are spirits. I truly believe that that's just trapped energy here that we have on Earth. So that's my personal belief on that. Uh, I know there's going to probably be a lot of people that will disagree with me, and that's okay. You know, I I, I don't have a problem with with them disagreeing with me on any of that stuff. And you know, some people may not even believe in God or 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 the Bible in itself either, and that's that's fine. You know, I do, and I'm going to try to live my life as God would want me to, and hope that I can show you that God exists through me. And uh, if that if that changes one person's life for the better, then that's all I could ask. And uh, I will treat everybody the way that they need to be treated. You know, uh, I don't judge people. You know, I love everybody. I try to try to help everybody that I possibly can. And uh, I think that's all that that we can ask for. And you know, I've gone through a lot of terrible things in my life, a lot of terrible things. And every time, it seems like it's really bad. There's always the light on the other side, and that's God's grace giving me the the chance to realize I just went through something amazing. I'm stronger, and now I can help somebody else out that's going through the same problem and comfort them along the way. Jason, those are remarkable words, and I tell you, I personally agree with you completely. And you're so right. There are going to be people that disagree. I mean, I've worked with people. I have people on the team that have completely different views and beliefs. But ultimately, I think everyone can meet in the middle to having a goal of understanding what life is, or if、right. there's even a supernatural, paranormal world on the other side. Because one one fact. That we all can't deny is we all, even animals and other living creatures and plants, we all die. We all pass away.、Mm-hmm. We won't be on this earth forever. So, what's the harm of trying to understand what may come next? And that's ultimately the goal. And if that alone can bring different religions together or different beliefs and people together, I think that's a really good step forward. But before I go on any further, I'm gonna let Andy have a couple of questions here. And、um, ask you away, ask away some questions to you. Ever since、um, your story about passing away temporarily to the point of why you believe we're here on Earth and you know what can happen after. Go ahead, Andy. Well, to be honest with you, I've been sitting here trying to think of a question, and every time I come up with one, Jason kind of covers it with what he says. <laughs> so, It's not so a bad thing. Not, I'm not really sure that I have any. Questions per se, but、um, I I will say that for the most part, I mean, in a, on a very large scale, I do agree with you.、Um, I mean, there are some points where I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you know, there、uh, there are a lot of things I do agree with you on, such as the balance between good and bad. Because,、mm-hmm. um, like, I mean, there's also the fact that. You know, you can't have the good without the bad, and vice、right. versa. And so, you know, it 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 is very much a balance between the two. It's to me, you know, the whole the whole meaning as to why we're even here is to find that balance.、Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the whole point of life in general, in my opinion, is to just to find that balance and to. To help others find that balance as well, and so, you know, I I do very much agree with you on that point. Absolutely. Well, if you don't have any questions, I could probably throw out a story that I had with my first demonic experience and free will, because I know you guys kind of talked about that a little bit、um, 
with some of the questions that came up. Um, if that's something you guys are interested in. Yeah, Jason. Absolutely. Yeah, because I know Andy and I both have personal experiences with demonic entities. So by all means, please share yours. Well, I'll try to make this as fast as I can. But basically, I was coming in eighth grade. And during that time in the Christian religion, in the Lutheran religion, you get um, confirmed, which is basically where you affirm that you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and that um, you reaffirm your baptism. So it's a real spiritual time for anybody in the Christian religion, at least with the Lutheran religion that I was in. And at that time, my parents are breaking up, um, and, and things just were kind of going crazy with my family. Uh, it started with my with my parents, and then it kind of went down with my brother and everything else. And bad things just started happening all the way across the board. Uh, in seventh grade, I got chickenpox so bad that there wasn't a spot on me that was not smooth. Uh, they believed that I had full-blown shingles and chicken pox at the exact same time. Wow. Uh, it was probably one of the most horrible, horrible experiences I've ever been in, and I actually went through, I was actually out of school for three months. Uh, it was my friends that brought me my school books to be able to, uh, you know, keep up with schoolwork and, and, and graduate with my class. So that time was a really, really rough time, and I saw, saw things happening that shouldn't have happened, and it bothered me. And then it was at this time where I started seeing this spirit that would show up, didn't show itself, just it was just like a shadow of a, of a, of a person that would just sit on my, my um, closet door and I could see it looking at me all the time. And once in a while you'd see eyes and it, it was just an overwhelming feeling of despair, hate, um, anything bad that you, can, that you can think of in your head uh, and, and put it into one object and that's pretty much what this thing was doing and uh it did it to me every night i didn't get much sleep it was tough i was going through the classes i was working you know getting into high school uh it, it, so it i was really drained at that point in time and that's when it really started showing up then it started showing itself to me and and trying to get me to do things that i didn't want to do and i'm like no i don't want to do this why am i listening to you now it wasn't physically saying it it was like putting it in my head you know but i could tell it was coming from this specific little shadow so i stopped having friends over because uh, i didn't want them to, to see anything and i didn't want them to get hurt and one night it literally picked me up by my throat held me up against the the bed choked me to the just about the, the point where i was about ready to pass out and it let me down that next morning i woke up with a big huge hand mark around my neck and I woke up with scratch marks down my chest and on my back. And I was trying to hide it from my parents. And they saw some of it. So what I did is I went to school in the dead of summer, or before summer, wearing a turtleneck shirt and a long sleeve shirt. People didn't understand why I was doing it, but I was doing it to hide it because I did not want them to think that my parents were doing this to me. And unfortunately, we had gymnastics, a, a gym. Uh, so what I had to do is I had to dress out. <laughs> That was even harder. So I did that for a couple for a couple of days until it, until it went away, and then things started getting a little bit better. I, I was I was pretty much sure that whatever this thing was, it was gone. So then I brought my friend over, and I have a friend that's in eighth grade. He was a big guy. He was probably two hundred thirty pounds, and it was all muscle. And you know he could have played sports. He you know he was extremely strong, six foot two already. I mean he was big. And we're sitting there talking, watching TV, and here comes a shadow. 
He goes, dude, what are you doing with that? How are you doing that shadow thing? I'm like, I'm not doing it. Just ignore it. He goes, no, 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 no. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Why is this thing sitting here? It's dark. You know, we just have the TV on. I said, I'm like, just forget about it, man. Just don't leave it alone. Now, there's no way I can do this. I was 112 pounds stuffed himself and said, I'm going home and never coming over here again. And he never did. And so then's when I decided no more, no more of this. So throughout the time, I started waking up with uh, like letters carved into my chest. I have had an M, a U, a D, a couple other things. And it was really irritated. So I, again, I wore shirts. I never went shirtless throughout that time. And then the other weird thing is that when I was coming in one day, um, my brother had come running out of my room. I said, what's wrong? He goes, I thought you were sleeping in your room. I said, no, I wasn't sleeping in my room. Why, why'd you think that? He goes, because I could see your 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 covers, your 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 bed sheet, like, like you were laying there on your side. And he goes, I went to touch it, and the whole thing went down. There was nothing there. So it started getting into my brother, too. And then I started having the thing a little bit more and more and more. It would show up more, and it was now showing itself. And it looked like a really, really, uh, like a guy that comes right out of GQ, you know, uh, a, like a, a very supermodel almost type of thing. Mm. And he was sitting there talking to me and trying to get me to do things I didn't want to do again. I said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not doing this. So one day I woke up and I was literally hovering over my body in my bed. And right next to me is this, is this demon. He showed himself in his true format now. And he took me out to my mom's room where my brother happened to be also sleeping. He was playing the video game, passed out. He goes, if you don't do what I'm going to tell you to do, he goes, I'm going to kill your mother. I'm going to kill your brother. And then he brought me over to my other room where my dad was sleeping. He goes, I'm going to kill your dad. He goes, you have one choice. You either do what I say or you're going to die or your family's going to die. I was like, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to take them. And so then's when I started having like this really show, like a, bad showdown with this thing and the only thing I could do at the time was I grabbed my Bible and I saw that it went back into its shadow form and I went up and, and started saying Bible verses and saying the Lord's Prayer and I told it to get out of my house it had no power over me and put the, the Bible up to it and as I did I could feel the whole thing go right through my arm right down to my, my leg just a wailing scream and then it went away and the whole house felt better after that. And um, I don't—I I truly believe that it was put there. It destroyed my family. It really did. It didn't kill anybody, but destroyed my family. And um, I believe it was there to—to because to, we were vulnerable, and it could have some type of control over us if we allowed it to. And I think it—it it, it did get to some of them. It did get to some of my family, and that's what I, I regret to this day. So, Jason, do you feel like? this entity this demonic entity it just came out of the blue because it it sensed the vulnerability because of what your family was going through at the time or do you feel like there was something specific that conjured that entity to your home into your life and especially attacked you like why you directly i don't think that it was i think it was random i really do you know there's uh there was never really anything that i could ever find out about the house the only thing i do know that was kind of it may have been placed there and I just never realized it was that down the street, maybe about seven, eight houses, I guess some little girl was run over by a car and was killed there. Now it wasn't in my property, 
that we were staying at. It wasn't in my house. Um, the people that lived there before that were not doing anything demonic. They were an old couple. They had been there since the, they built the house. And there was no, nothing on the land that I could find. It was always an old orange uh, field before they built anything there in the 80s. So it was an old house. It had nothing there. I have no explanation of why this thing would have come there. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I didn't walk through something and brought it with me. And, you know, maybe it felt like it had the ability to manipulate. Um, I truly believe that de the demons are there to manipulate. And if it may have picked up on, on me being exhausted and being sick and going through a, a time in my life where I literally had to acknowledge God, um, it, here's a great opportunity, you know? And it did destroy my family. It destroyed a lot of things about me. Um, I still have I still have memories from that. I still have problems with my chest and the skin on my chest where that thing uh, scratched letters into it. Um, wow. So it, the residual is still there, and uh, I don't know if I completely got rid of it or if it just realized it wasn't going to be able to do much to me because I was learning about free will in yeah. my in my cate basically catechism class, my my uh, my confirmation class, and I know from the Bible that it says that you have the right to tell it to go away. You don't have to do anything it says. It's going to it's gonna threaten you, but if you don't allow it to, to do something, it can't do anything. But it will try to manipulate you to get your guard down to make you believe you're going to get hurt. And that made a lot of sense. And so that's kind of what I was using to try to beat this thing off because I was so young, and yet I didn't know much, and it shouldn't have gone away that easily. I'll tell you that much. It should not have gone away that easy. But I'm wondering if I just didn't have a stronger angel that was there to protect me too. But I don't know how it came there. I I, I don't know. It, it, logically, there's nothing that would, from a from an investigator standpoint, there's nothing that would have brought it to my house based upon the history of the land and the house itself. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess the best way to take it logically would be that being being that there's a coexistent thing going on between the physical world and the spiritual world, it is likely, I mean, who's to say that it's not possible that demons can, the ones that are, are, that are allowed to roam around, they can walk around and pick and choose who they want to mess with or just take a gamble at trying to influence someone, spiritual oppression, if you will, and see if they can hook, line, and sinker. And, you know, yeah. thankfully for you, Jason, even though there was some turmoil at that time with your family, it didn't turn out, you know, like it could have. It, it, it could have been a lot worse. But, um, wow. You know, as you're speaking there, it, I know this may not sound, this may not be 100% the somebody out with, but I don't know a lot of how they come and how they don't. That being said, have you guys ever seen the movie uh, A Haunting in Connecticut? Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. I actually lived two blocks away from that house, and I used to deliver newspapers to the next-door neighbor every day. And I'll tell you, I had a weird connection to that house when I used to drive by it on my bicycle. And it would make you know the hair stand up on my neck. There was so much activity in that house, and it was so violent that it, it actually made the front-page news. I don't wow. know if it's possible, but it, if picked it up from going by that house every day i mean this is 1989 and the demon hit me in 1993 so it wasn't that far off from where it was it's not like it was like 10 15 years or anything like that 
it was just maybe one, two, three years, you know, because it, it, it physically showed up a while before it actually decided to try to do something major to me. So I probably started seeing it around 1991, which is only about a year and a half away from me being away from that house. Gotcha. What do you guys yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, I believe that demons can lie dormant too, Jason. I mean, th there's been plenty of cases that I've talked to people where they haven't had anything happen, you know, for a good amount of time. And then randomly out of nowhere, things start happening. And a, a bit, the biggest theory that I've always been told and that I've read about is we have a time period on this earth. We have a time limit. Spirits, especially demons, do not. You know, right. I mean, they do have a time period about the whole, you know, end of the world and judgment day but they have more physical time than we do. They don't have to go to work. They don't have to worry about getting sick or paying a bill. They can lie dormant for three years while we're worrying about everything else, you know, and then just pop up and be like, oh, it's time. And, yeah. and then we don't know where they came from or why. So for me personally, I do believe that you could have somehow gathered an attachment from that location. For whatever reason, it thought that you were suitable, um, you know, whether you had a real big connection with that location or a tiny connection or any type of interest that could have been a gateway and opening for something to jump on you and then work on you at a later time. That's my personal theory. And you know, that spirit, everybody knows that he was, that he had cancer and he was going to the hospital that was in Southington there. And during that same summer, we were both in the same hospital because I had broken my arm so severe. They thought I was going to be amputated. So I was in the hospital almost twice a week for physical therapy. I was in surgery for a week. He was at the hospital. You know, if something was, was attracted to him there, it would have brought it in with him. And there's a good possibility it may have just found the next weakest target at the time. And that was probably me. Wow. Well, that, that's some serious thinking there, Jason. But I mean, the possibilities yeah, are out is. there, you know? Well, what about you, Andy? Well, what do you have on your mind? Well to be honest i mean like in my opinion um when it comes to that particular location like the woman who was involved in the uh haunting in connecticut story um she actually claimed also that when she went to um to look at the house it called to her yeah i know that feeling yeah and so you know and i i've had a lot of people have that same claim about many different haunted houses and um so i i don't doubt that one bit that you that you felt that pull and i i don't really feel that demons really pick and choose anyone i think what it is in my own opinion is that they prey on anyone who is able to pick up on the energy that they're putting out. Mm, that's a good, that's a really good, uh, uh, really good uh, theory there. I like that. That, like that energy that is pulling you towards that house, I believe is the energy that they're using as sort of a bait to pull you in. And as soon as you pick up on that energy, they kind of get pulled towards you and they attach to it. That makes sense. And I that does think, make a lot of sense. I think from that moment on, that spirit becomes attached to you or that demon, because demons are not actually spirits. Um, right. You know, that negative energy gets attached to you 
And from that point on, it can follow you pretty much anywhere. That's a really good point. So, you know, that's just my take on it. But because um, I've, I've had experiences like that myself. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've had lots and lots and lots of time to, you know, sit back and really think about it. And, you know, that's, to me, is the theory that makes the most sense. And that's just something I've come up with myself based on my own experience. Yeah. That's you a really know, good the, point. You know, I, the way I look at it, I think that's what might have happened there. And Andy, going back to it, uh, Jason brought up the point of free will being a very important thing you know, regarding demonic entities or anything in the spiritual world to protect yourself and you know be aware of anything and in our most recent podcast when we were talking to april one of our other guests jason uh, mm-hmm. that, that was another highlight that we had brought up about you know even doing something as simple as trying to communicate with a loved one or doing a tarot card reading or you know trying to have any type of energy put into the spiritual world you have some type of vulnerability but even mm-hmm. if you're attacked or you have something come up to you and you're not sure what it is you have that free will and that right to block them and to push them away and to basically attack back because you don't have to feel weak or vulnerable or scared because even though you're the flesh they're invisible and you can't touch them you still have that same energy that they do of a spirit of a different type of phenomena if you will the way i see it and the way i was always kind of raised to believe is that the body is a vessel of god god created the human body and therefore evil cannot touch it because it's it's a vessel of god and that's why demons when they come in and they attack you they tend to attack you mentally because Mm -hmm. the brain is more flawed than the body and therefore they will attack you from your brain and they will cause you like you know like jason was talking about with his experiences about you know the demon wanting him to do things he didn't want to do you know they will put those thoughts into your head because you know you've got fear that gets in the way you've got doubt that gets in the way you've got worry that gets in the way and things like that and all of those things you know make it really really hard for you to protect your mental state Mm -hmm. and they kind of play on that and they you know they they attack you that way because they cannot attack your body it's not like in the movies where you know you you turn green and spit pea soup and your head goes <laughs> around you know it it's not like that at all they you know they 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 prey on your mental state and they want you to believe that you know you're you're crazy and that you're losing it and that your life is just falling apart and they also you know like you said you were you were pushing people away because you didn't want them to be a part of what was going on with you well that you may have felt that you were in control of that but i don't believe you were because in my experience that 
part of the influence that they put on you mentally. They want you to push those people away because right. they don't they don't want you seeking help. That's true. So, you know, I mean that's that's just the way I I think. It's very plausible. I do agree. Absolutely. Yeah, because if they can get you cornered and isolated to where it's just you and them, they do have a better ability and chance to just drain you down, knock you down, and take over in possession. But that's right. The only thing that stands out to me is like people such as Jason that are attacked physically, where they have scratches and the whole bruising around the neck of being choked. That part is where it kind of sucks because you can't fight back in that aspect. But that's where I believe you have the free will to fight them back spiritually. Yeah, they can hurt you, but if you're strong enough and you push back enough, they won't be able to do that much longer. They won't be able to hurt you or kill you. It's it's more of a test. And it goes into what I believe Andy's getting at. When they do scratch and choke you, That it, that's also a mental challenge. You're like, oh man, they can touch me, but I can't touch them. I better not even mess with it. I better just do what they say. I better just bow down. But when you start fighting, that stuff stops it starts to stop the more you fight back that's my personal belief on it and and you you're, you got a great point there too and i truly believe that i don't th i think it had to let go because at one point i don't believe that the demon can physically kill you i don't think that they are allowed to do that and yeah. they had to let go at a certain point just to just to scare you enough to to, to give into it and yeah. um you know i think that they can do things to you but they cannot physically kill you and I think that's where people sometimes get a little bit afraid about a demonic entity. They're like, well, I'm going to die from this thing. I don't believe that a demon can physically kill you. Um, I think that they can just screw you up mentally <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and make, you w make you wish you were dead. Uh, or it can ma physically manifest illness to you. But, um, you know, like you said, it's the free will. If, if, you, if, you, the, if you don't give back to it, it's like a bully. Eventually, they leave you alone. You know, if they know that it's not going to get you to that. Yeah. Yeah, I can you know, agree I, more on that. I believe the same thing. I mean, I, I don't believe that they could physically kill you either. I mean, I believe that they, what they do is they try to get you to do it yourself. Yes. Um, and there have been cases of it as well where it's actually, you know, it's actually happened. So, yeah, I very strongly agree with you on that yeah i believe that too andy that some suicides are actually spiritual oppression they're those people mm -hmm. are influenced by another type of energy or being and yeah it, it is them physically taking themselves but it's not them wanting to it's not exactly them in their mind there's so much that you could just rabbit hole and tunnel down on that theory but you know in this modern day we don't see spirits attacking people as a problem we just see suicide and it's, it's mm -hmm. a sad thing, but yeah, it's, it's something else. And you know, long story short on this, it's, it ties in with Jason's, you know, attachments. Once again, at Central State Hospital, I had taken a rock home that I got hit with by a poltergeist. We finally started getting some really nasty, prevalent um, experiences at this location. And when I took the rock home for a straight whole month, I was, uh, I was going into being, I was a senior. It was my last year of high school. And um, for a whole month, I had demonic entities, uh, demonic entity type of thing happened. I had nightmares of being dragged down my hallway, thrown up against the ceiling and the hallways. It was me, 
I was watching it third person. It was in my hallway. Everything was detailed. Um, I'd wake up and my bed would shake, just like off The Exorcist. Um, I, I collected monster energy cans at the time. There was one day I was going to school at 7.30 in the morning, and literally one of these cans popped up in the air, and it floated back down perfectly where it was popped up. Saw that with my bare eyes at 7.30 in the morning. I just went to school and ignored it. Um, there's another instance where uh, this happened almost every night. It, it sounded like somebody was taking their fingers and they were flicking these cans. So as I was going to sleep, whatever this thing was, it was flicking the cans to keep me awake. Well, I would start praying. I would command it to stop. It would stop. But it would still happen almost every night. So it was a temporary fix. Um, throughout this month, I felt like throwing up every day, every night. As long as I was awake, I felt like vomiting. But I never did vomit. It got to the point where I went to my physical medicinal doctor twice. And he could only diagnose me with anxiety and stress. He couldn't give me medications. He couldn't find anything uh, of my body that was sick. I didn't know what to do. And I was a paranormal investigator at the time, but I was still, you know, very, very new to it, an amateur, to, you know, to say the least. And um, after I went to the doctor the second time, it, it just sprung into my head. I'm like, wait, I took something home from that, from that one investigation. I, I took things home. I have papers, but I especially have that rock when I got hit by that entity. I saw this rock lift up in midair by nothing, and it flew over and hit me in my foot. It didn't hurt. So I thought it was friendly, but I took it another story for another time. But what I did to finish this, Jason, and it did resolve the issue. I took all the papers back. I took all the souvenirs I took from this location, especially that little rock. And I took it back and I placed it at this location. And I said a prayer and I said, whatever this thing is, you need to get away from me. You need to stay away from me in the, in the name of the Lord and my God, my creator. You're not welcome to be with me. Here's your stuff. You have to stay here. That same night, it stopped. For a whole month, that happened. All I had to do was return that stuff, and I was good. So, <laughs> I understand. I believe it. I understand, man, and it is just a whole other world to have attachments and things mess with you and, and be malevolent about it. You know, whatever this thing was for me and you, it didn't want to be a friend. It didn't want to talk. It didn't need companionship. It just wanted to make our life a living hell, and it got enjoyment off of that. And it sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But you learn from it, and I hope this podcast, I hope our experiences, you know, help other people. It's obviously helped me and you too, Jason. And um, so oh, yeah. I wish we could learn things like this a little differently, but we know it now, and hopefully we can help other people and, you know, make things a little easier for others. But uh, yeah, it's a whole nother, a whole nother world out there, literally, I tell you. But Jason, it looks like we're coming up to the time, sadly, for this podcast to end. But I, right. can't, I can't even begin to thank you enough for everything that you have shared with us tonight, your opinions, and just everything. Because for me, my mind has been blown, and new doors have opened for me to think about things. <laughs> about you, <Andy? laughs> well, I'm glad I was able to, to help you help you guys out. And I hope I, I hope some of my stuff helped out uh, any of your listeners, too. It's very important. But the best thing I can I can leave you guys with is don't ever think you're, 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 you're insane. You know, yeah. there's, there's somebody out there that can help you. And uh, those people are willing to do it for usually nothing. So you know, reach out if you if you feel like you're you're this. Don't don't make yourself feel like you are losing your mind. There are people that can help you. Absolutely, yeah. For anyone listening out there, like Jason said, you know, it is good to have people like us to talk to and to help. And Jason, just like you, we help people for free. You know, we're a nonprofit 
Um, you know, we're a community organization, so we love to help people for free and just to meet people and, you know, get some history and see new places. And it's nice to see the, the faces of these people whenever you're like, you're not crazy. And even if it's not what you think it is, we're still here to help and not judge you. We're here to figure this out with you. So it's great. Right. And I'm glad you're the same way. Now, Jason, before you go, if people want to ask you questions or reach out to you or, you know, get some more information, where can they reach you at? What outlets do you have? Well, I have a bunch of websites. I have my art website, which is imaginationartstudios.com. Uh, you can you can write me there. Uh, you can also go to my Facebook page. It's uh, just like under Jason Dowd. Um, you can go to uh, any 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 of my um, any of my uh, social media. You can you can reach out to me there. But if you really want to have an email and and you want to you want to reach me some some way through a direct email at sales at dowdstudios.com. That's D O W D S T U D I O S dot com comes right to me. So um, if you have any questions or anything like that, I can help you with. I'd be happy to do that. Sweet. Right on, Jason. Well, I'm glad people can reach out to you and you're open to helping them out and getting some more information out there and everything like that. And, you know, it's always good for people to be able to communicate and kind of share ideas and get that help because there's really not a 911 phone call out there you know when it relates to paranormal activity even if it's not a paranormal case so people like us we can be the difference for some other people that aren't too familiar with how to approach it that's right i mean it's not like we can call the the ghostbusters or nothing you know what i mean that that would have been (laughs) cool to have a hotline like that but that would be really cool (laughs) i tell you if they ever figure out how to make that proton pack man that that would be great because we could really fight then (laughs) <laughs> oh, I would be so playing with that thing if we had one of those, or one of those little catchers that they used to roll down and 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 uh, hit the button, and they would just suck it, suck the thing into that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and study that ectoplasm energy, so we can finally understand, you know, the physical to the spiritual. <laughs> and I would have to have a Slimer uh, sidekick. Slimer oh, that was the best. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. <laughs> just, I hope they're domesticated. You know, I hope you, you're able to find a way to train it up a little bit. Because <laughs> if right. not, I don't know if I'd be too happy with that, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, do you have anything for Jason before we sadly put it into the podcast? I really don't have anything else to cover, to be honest. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Jason, I must say this much. I would personally love to have you back on to speak some more theories. And if you have any more stories, you know, we can go another hour or two and, you know, share that as well. Absolutely. I got lots of stories. So, I mean, we could always have uh, something to fill for sure. Great. Great. Yeah. October is coming up, you know, 2019's Halloween. So maybe we can fit something in next month and go from there. Yeah, we could do that. I'd love to come back on. All right. Well, Jason, thanks for being on, man. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to you next time. And until then, stay frosty. Well, Andy, I don't know about you, but talking with Jason was pretty refreshing. And man, like I said earlier, it opened up some new doors for me. I'm telling you, I mean, seriously, like the whole near-death experience type of thing, or, you know, basically him passing away. That one really opened up my mind. I mean, talking to someone one-on-one in real life, it's a lot more different than watching a movie about it or reading a book. I mean, what do you think about everything? Oh, absolutely. I agree with you on that. Those those types of experiences are actually a lot more common than we believe or we think. It's just that a lot of times we come back from it and can't remember. So, you know, it's, 
you know, it's just, it's something that's very, very common. But at the same time, we just don't, we don't think that it is because, well, yeah. So, um, but yeah, his story was absolutely, um, it was very informative and very interesting to say the least. I mean, he's had a lot of amazing experiences because, you know, I was going through this thinking that I had a lot in common with this guy. And then all of a sudden he started talking about his near-death experiences and things like that. And I'm like, wow, like this guy is totally on a completely different level here. So it really blew me away. Yeah, and I think tying in with that too, Andy, what really had me for a loop is poor Jason. He, he didn't even ask for it. He didn't go looking for it. He was just born. Right and things just kind of magnetized to him. And then next thing he knows, he's just, he, he's in this passion. He's in this career of learning the paranormal, dealing with the paranormal, and then obviously helping people with the paranormal. And, and like you said, it's not always paranormal. It's not always supernatural or, you know, scary or freaky or anything, but either way, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And he's prepared for that. And that's what he's been dealing with. And it seems like he's doing pretty good with it. <laughs> Well, you know, I do believe that the majority of us who do who do come into the paranormal, you know, we don't at first we don't generally go looking for it. You know, I mean, a lot of times it's based on just random experiences that, you know, we've had as people. And then all of a sudden we, we get curious about, you know, what the heck just happened to me? And so, you know, it strikes our curiosity. We read about it. We, we start experimenting and next thing we know, we're in the field. And, you know, for, for the most part, I think that's how it happens. I don't think, yeah, I don't think that everyone who gets into the field is really, you know, going out to look for it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And, you know, a vast majority of the people I've had on the team or that's worked with the team, they haven't looked for it. You know, they just had random experiences as, as more likely more often as a child and you know things just kind of happen but you know like I've shared with other people and I'm sharing with you and all of our listeners Andy it's for me it, it never happened when I was a child you know the most I ever had was an imaginary friend and that could have been a spirit you know I to this point you know not to get into the story this is for another time but I feel like it was some type of spirit and more so of a malevolent spirit like I said it's for another time but other than that, I've never had any weird experiences. I've never seen, heard, felt, smelled anything weird that I can remember. It wasn't until I was in high school, a 17 year old, and I watched Ghost Adventures. And then my friends and I got the idea to test the TV show, see how real it is, and look for local haunted locations in Indiana. And here I am. So I'm one of the few, I guess, that went out looking for it. And I guess that kind of makes me a lunatic, but I'm not in that 90%, you know, 95% that just had it happen randomly. I literally had to go looking for it. So I kind of had a boring life, but at the same time with the things I've experienced, I kind of wish I could go back to that boring life. It's like, man. (laughs) Well, you know, I think that happened to you because you were more open to it at that time. You know what I mean? I mean, you, like you said, you were watching Ghost Adventures and you were, you were thinking about the paradox and things like that at that time it was it was starting to become a part of your life gradually and very in very tiny ways but you know the more paranormal becomes a part of your life 
the more open to it you're going to become yeah yeah so with that with with that in mind though you were opening up your mind to the idea of the paranormal and i think that's why you had your experience yeah i completely agree with you on that andy and i mean i know i say i wish i could go back to that born life but i mean all in all it's a passion now and i am thankful for the experiences i have and to be able to help the people that I've helped. So like you said, you know, all the little bits that's led up to where I'm at now, it's happened for a reason, you know, and I am more open than I've ever been to the spirit world. And I think about the spirit world and what happens after this world a lot more than I ever have. So it's most definitely something I don't want to backtrack on. I want to keep going forward with it. So absolutely. To all of our listeners out there, you guys know the original run through. If you want to contact us, if you'd like to get on the podcast, check out some information, see any updates that we have, go to Google, type in PILT Paranormal. You'll find our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, podcast, all that good stuff, all the outlets that we're attached to and everything. And we're pretty easy to get a hold of, you know, send an email, text or call and Andy and I be here. All right. Well, you know what? Thank you guys for listening and do stay tuned for our next episode because we're going to have plenty more topics and hopefully plenty more guests. But until that time, stay frosty and we'll talk to you then.